And if you uh, have your Bible there, please turn with me uh, in the New Testament to the Gospel uh, of Mark. We'll be reading uh, from Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 45. And uh, we'll be focusing especially this morning on those last verses of this first chapter, uh, verses 40 uh, through 45. So Mark chapter 1, you'll find that if you're using the... Pew Bible on page 837, page 837, Mark chapter 1. And so this is the uh, infallible, it cannot be broken, this is the inerrant, it is without error in all that it teaches, uh, word of God. And so Mark 1, verse 35, let's give our attention uh, to the word of the Lord. And rising uh, very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, that's Jesus, departed And went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will... You can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we're mindful again this morning as we uh, uh, open the scripture. Uh, Lord, that this is not a, a natural thing for, for us to be able to read the Bible and to know that Uh, The God of heaven and earth speaks to us. We know, Lord, this is a supernatural thing, that it's only the work of the Holy Spirit within us and among us uh, who convinces us ultimately that this is your word. And so, Lord, we pray that you would graciously uh, move among us even this morning, uh, that we might know indeed that what we read is the very word of God, that we might take it to heart and that you would work it out uh, in our lives today and in the days to come. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've ever heard someone uh, profess to be quoting the Bible, uh, but what they were actually quoting was not the Bible, uh, even though they thought it was. Have you ever had that happen where someone believes they're quoting something from the Scripture, but it turns out it's not from the Scripture uh, at all? Uh, To thine own self be true. Uh, Well, that has a certain ring to it. Our culture likes this one today. Of course, we're truly born in sin, uh, so that does not help us. That's not the Bible, that's Shakespeare. Um, Moderation in all things. Well, that that actually sounds like good advice. Uh, Of course, what would it mean to be uh, moderately sinful? Um, So that doesn't quite make sense either. That's not the Bible, that's an old Greek poet. God helps those who help themselves. Uh, This is opposite of the Bible, but very popular in our country. 
Um, we can't help ourselves. We are helpless until God helps us, that is, saves us. That's not the Bible really attributed to Benjamin Franklin. And, of course, uh, cleanliness uh, is next to godliness. That is, keeping yourself neat and tidy and clean and presentable is right up there with belonging to God. Well, that's not in the Bible either. Uh, it was in a sermon, apparently, of John Wesley hundreds of years ago. Uh, though cleanliness is uh, next to godliness is not in the Bible, uh, it would be far truer to say uh, that the Bible actually teaches that um, godliness is cleanliness. That is, belonging to God means being clean. Not externally, mind you, but within. As I mentioned many weeks ago, someone has said that the three synoptic Gospels, that is the Gospels that really follow the same storyline, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, can be compared to three rivers uh, carrying the same life-giving water, uh, the three rivers each cutting their own path. And the Gospel of Mark has been described as a swiftly moving stream. Its current rolls on turbulently through rugged terrain. It churns and twists, making sharp turns now to the right, then to the left. Its borders exhibit ever-changing scenery. And that's what we've seen in in this first chapter. John the baptizer comes on the scene. Then we have the baptism of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus. Jesus begins to preach the kingdom. Four disciples are called. Jesus goes to a synagogue, heals a man with an unclean spirit. Jesus goes to Simon's house and heals his mother-in-law with a high fever. Jesus is swarmed at the house by all sorts of sick and needy people and he heals them. And Jesus goes to a quiet place to pray and presses on to the next town. And, And then the next scene that we've read this morning throws us right back into the realm of the needy people for whom Jesus came. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. So the first thing we see in this passage this morning is the portrait, the picture uh, of a needy man. Uh, A leper came to him. Luke the doctor says in his account, uh, a man full of leprosy. There's been an abundance of speculation, of course, as to what this man's condition really was. Hansen's disease is often considered a modern equivalent today. Treatment's available today, but if it's left untreated, uh, the nerve damage can result in crippling of hands and feet and paralysis and blindness. Uh, The easiest way that I found to uh, try to understand what's going on is someone described it as the body's warning system of pain is destroyed with leprosy. So you step on a nail, uh, you don't know it. You burn your hands without feeling it. Leviticus 13 and 14 describe leprosy and a wide variety of skin diseases. It was a feared disease that that ravaged the body, feared certainly in New Testament times. But whatever the physical disease, which was painful enough as we understand it, uh, it it was the consequences of having this disease, which also would have brought great pain uh, in the time of Jesus. Leviticus 13:45 says this, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, so that everyone would know. And he shall cover his upper lip, uh, don't want anyone to breathe on anybody, and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain, says Leviticus, unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean and he shall live alone. And his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Uh, So this was some, yes, the painful disease itself, but it meant isolation, it meant life alone, and it meant no place uh, in the community. 
I remember living in upstate New York and driving down a backcountry road. And when I say upstate, I mean upstate. This is above the Adirondacks. Uh, Driving down a backcountry road one day and I saw a large handmade sign. It was more a billboard at the end of someone's driveway. And I thought that was kind of strange. Obviously, it hadn't been put up by the person living there because as I got up closer uh, with a large arrow pointing toward the house, the sign billboard said, uh, pedophile lives here. With a big arrow. I mulled that over and I thought, oh, oh boy, what if, what if all my sins were placarded at the foot of my driveway on Meadowview Court. Unclean. Unclean. You know, how many friends would we have if they knew our hearts? Uh, But here this man had to publicly proclaim it and they would see it and then they would know to keep their distance. We don't know that uh, because we can't see people's hearts. But if you've got long, if you're, if you've got leopard, you know this is someone to stay away from. So he'd be isolated, alone, an outsider who would be regularly reminded by his own words of his condition. Now, clearly this man in this passage has heard of Jesus and uh, he does what a leper should not do. Did you catch that? He came to him. You say, wait a minute. The leper is supposed to keep his distance. And in fact, if the Pharisees had added specific distances that the leper was to keep. From other people. But he comes nonetheless. He implores. That means to be seeches, begs. He kneels, uh, placing himself at the feet of Jesus. After all, Jesus is the king. Luke says he, he fell on his face. Saying, if you will, to Jesus, that is, if you have the desire, you can make me clean. Now, the word there for make me clean is uh, if you have the, the dunamis. Uh, or not if you, but you have the dunamis. You have the power. To make me clean. We get the word dynamite from that word dunamis. And so this man says to Jesus, if you have the desire, I know you have the dynamite to do it. You are able. So this man obviously knows and believes that Jesus has the power to save. After all, the word has spread about him. Verse 39 told us he was going throughout Galilee, preaching the kingdom and casting out demons, both in word and sign. Jesus was testifying to the fact that he was the king and his reign and his rule has come. And this man heard and and he sees this opportunity and this man knows I must go to him. I don't care what others will say or think. I must go to him. I know he can make me clean. The question is, would he be willing? Now, this man doesn't come to Jesus, mind you, to make a bargain. This man doesn't come to Jesus thinking he has something to offer to Jesus. This man doesn't come to Jesus thinking he wants to add Jesus to his leper lifestyle. You know, I like to be a leper and maybe I should know Jesus too. No. This man comes to Jesus knowing his absolute helplessness uh, and need for Jesus. Now, this man needed physical cleansing. Others in Scripture came to Jesus diseased within They were plagued by sin and guilt and shame. Prostitutes, tax collectors, those possessed with demons. They too knew Jesus had power and authority. Uh, But would he be willing to help them? We are needy people. 
Physically, yes, we are needy people. Unless Jesus returns, 100% of us will die. Everyone here uh, in this room, unless Jesus returns, every one of us will face physical death. Sometimes God will heal us and extend our lives, but sometimes he has determined in his providence that it's time to take us home. But either way, 100% of us will face physical death. Even if Jesus heals us now, we will face death again. And all of us are needy spiritually. This man was unclean because of his physical disease. We are all unclean because of our spiritual disease, according to the Bible. And as awful and painful to see a man suffering with leprosy, uh, the description of the Apostle Paul of men, women, and children, uh, apart from faith in Jesus Christ, uh, is more awful and painful to hear, and that's why you don't like to read it. But I have to. And it's Romans 3, verse 10, which says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks after God. There are no seekers after God. There's only God seeking us and then drawing us to Him. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good. You thought, wait a minute, I do so. No, the Bible says, no one apart from Christ does good. Not even one. Not even you this morning. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of this is a really ugly picture. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, the way of peace they've not known. Why? There's no fear of God before their eyes. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Oh, that's a lot worse than having physical disease. Having disease... Within, you say, well, I don't have leprosy. This Mark 1 passage doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't have a skin disease like this man in Mark 1. No, you don't. Your problem's worse. J.C. Ryle said this, but is there nothing like leprosy among ourselves? Yes, indeed there is, said Ryle. There's a foul soul disease which is ingrained into our very nature, cleaves to our bones and marrow with deadly force. That disease is the plague of sin. Like leprosy, it's deep-seated disease infecting every part of our nature and heart and will and conscience and understanding and memory and affections. Like leprosy, it makes us loathsome and abominable, unfit for the company of God and unmeet for the glory of heaven. Like leprosy, it's incurable by any earthly physician and is slowly but surely dragging us down to the second death. And worst of all, uh, far worse than leprosy, it's a disease from which no mortal man is exempt. We all have it. In fact, Isaiah says we are all in God's sight as an unclean thing. I mean, what would be worse, to have a placard at the end of your driveway uh, listing all the uh, obvious sins that people can see in your life? Or having a, a billboard at the end of your driveway uh, giving a picture of your heart and all that's found there? Well... The fact is, you and I need to come to Christ in the exact same way as this man comes to Christ, knowing your need, falling at his feet, calling out to him. It is, the only difference is someone who's covered and full of leprosy, saying unclean, unclean, is always reminded of his condition. While we are so good at hiding it from ourselves. 
Do you know how needy you are, how needy I am? Do you know how ugly your heart is apart from Christ? Has a sight of that ugliness led you to Jesus? Imploring Him, kneeling before Him, looking to Him, knowing He can save, but wondering, Oh Lord, I know I've seen my sin. Are you willing to help? So it's a portrait of a needy man. It's our self-portrait. Second thing we find here is the wonder, uh, the wonder of a merciful king. So this needy man kneels before Jesus, and so he should. He recognizes he's not worthy to be in the presence of this Jesus, and yet he knows there's no other hope, and so he comes and cries out to him. And uh, you get a picture it now. As soon as the as soon as the words leave the lips of this man, if you will, you can make me clean. The heart, uh, the heart of this man must have stood still. If, if you will, you can make me clean. And then, silence. If we were there, perhaps we would hear his heart beat. Boom, 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 boom. What's Jesus going to say? In that moment of silence between the plea of a man in need and the response of Jesus. Uh, made me think of uh, the Titanic you ever seen one of these old movies of the sinking of the Titanic in 1912? And some of these are powerful movies. And uh, the ship goes down, 1,500 die, remember? And, but there's you know, scenes in these movies of they didn't have enough lifeboats, remember? And so, so you had lifeboats in the water, and they're filled with people, and you had people in the water still. And they'd, they're looking for a boat, and they swim over to the boat, and it's already packed full. You add more, all, they all die. And so someone comes to the edge of the boat and says, Is there room for me? And, uh, you know, some people on the boat said, no, we can't. We save you. We all die. That's what I thought about. If you will, you can make me clean. Well, it couldn't have been long. <laughs> couldn't have been long. And uh, verse 41 says this, moved with pity. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. I will be clean. Moved with pity. This is my favorite uh, and the glorious Greek word that everyone needs to know. Splachnizomai. It means moved with pity. Moved with compassion. Splach. Don't you love to say that? Splachnizomai. It just sounds like, like you're spewing on somebody. That's kind of the idea. Moved with pity. Could be translated, his heart, his heart went out to him. Same word is used by Jesus when he describes the good Samaritan who had compassion on the man who had been beaten and bruised, left on the side of the road. Splachnizumai went out from the good Samaritan. He was moved with pity. Could be translated, it moved in his inner being to this man. In need. How do you think about the Lord Jesus? When you think about Jesus, when you think about the Lord, what comes to mind? Yes, powerful. Yes, majestic. Yes, defeater of Satan and his host. Yes, creator, sustainer, upholder, the Bible says, of all things. Yes, glorious 
presence should strike fear into the hearts of the wicked who continue in their rebellion against him. Oh, yes. But remember, he's the one who sees a needy man full of leprosy coming to him who doesn't have a friend in the world, rejected by others, and the Bible says he is moved with, with pity, compassion. His heart goes out to this man. Don't forget that Second Corinthians 1, of course, calls God the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He's not cold, austere, hard as stone to you and your need. And neither, of course, are those who belong to him. He's moved with pity. Jesus is never unmoved when people in need cry out to him for help. And this, of course, is what characterizes a child of the king and what characterizes you if you're a Christian. You see somebody in need and you don't say, oh, I know how they got there. They just didn't apply themselves like I did. You see somebody in need in Salem County and you say, well, you know, if they would just come to adopt the Reformed faith like I did, they'd shape up. No. No. The child of the king has the heart of the king. And when they see someone in in great need, crying out for help, moved with pity. This is the ministry of mercy our deacons help us to see. And demonstrate before us that we can follow our deacons and say, yes, this is what we're called to be, ministers of mercy. He stretched out his hand and, uh-oh, people around, our, uh, people around Jesus are no doubt thinking that he's reaching out his hand to the leper. And uh, people all around are thinking to themselves, perhaps saying at this point, no, Jesus, don't. Don't do it. Don't get any closer. If you, you will become unclean. Why would you purposely, voluntarily, deliberately stretch out your hand? Don't do it, Jesus. Like when your child reaches out to touch a hot stove or the burner or something like that. They might see you, right? They look, they're looking at you. They're looking for mom or dad. What are they going to say? And uh, you're saying to your child, don't do it. You're going to burn yourself. The folks around Jesus would have said as he stretched out his hand, don't do it. Too late. <laughs> he did. And he stretched out his hand, the Bible says, and touched him and, and said to him, I will, I do desire, be clean. Yes, says Jesus, may I desire to heal you. Yes, I will make you clean. Yes, uh, your hope is not misplaced. All who come to me, I will never cast away. All those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here, Jesus moved with pity, touches a man and makes him Clean. Now, of course, as we've already seen with the casting out of the unclean spirit in the synagogue, Jesus just needs to say the word and it's done. But with Peter's mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, Jesus took her by the hand, even when she was terribly sick, burning with fever. And here, no doubt, with others looking on, Jesus touches one who was considered untouchable. Jesus touches one. Okay. Who no one else would touch. Jesus touches one who others feared to come close to. Would avoid like the plague. Would cross the street to not have to walk by. Would avoid that part of town in which he lived. And would never dream of having over to their home to share a meal. 
No, sir. Jesus touches one who everyone else thought was only a danger, a menace, and a threat. Now, remember, Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners. And so Jesus, by his word and actions here, says, I am here. Mm -hmm, I'm here to touch the untouchable. I'm here to bear your burden. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. I'm here to identify with sinners. I've, I've taken on human nature voluntarily. I've become like you in every way except for sin. And I've come, the sinless one, to become sin for you, to take the judgment of God's law upon myself in your place so that you might receive my righteousness. Yeah, I've come for the needy. I've come to touch what's unclean and make it clean. I've come to bring the dead to life. I've come to take those isolated and alone and put them in the family of God. I've come to take uh, those who are despised and rejected and burdened and outcast and guilty and shameful and cleanse them, wash them, make them new. I will, I will be clean. And immediately the Bible says the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Immediately the leprosy leaves him immediately. This is the power of God, the hand of God. And for that man, that day, what would that mean for leprosy to leave him immediately? Well, his skin would have been restored. His, uh, his nerves would have been uh, repaired. And uh, someone said this, the first kind touch of a human hand that leper ever experienced was the gentle touch of the sun of God, right? Skin's restored, and the first hand that touches him is Jesus. He touched the untouchable, loved the unlovable. This is the wonder, friends, of a merciful king. And a servant, of course, is not greater than his master. We preach the gospel, we live the gospel in word and deed. And you need to ask yourself, who are the untouchable people in my life that no one else wants to touch? In your family, maybe. In your neighborhood. In your county. Here in Salem. In your community. Or maybe even within the professing church. While we serve this one. Well, the wonder here, of course, is that Jesus does for the leper uh, what the law could not do. Right? Jesus does for the leper what the law could not do. Remember Romans 8.3? says this, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the, to the Spirit. So here's the thing. The law, of course, would describe this man. You're either unclean or you're clean. But the law cannot make anyone clean. Works the same for you and me. The law uh, of God describes for us sin, my sin, and righteousness. That is, the righteousness of God. But the law cannot make me, a sinner, righteous. 
The law of God reveals your sin to you, describes the penalty and punishment and power of sin, but the law cannot remove the penalty or punishment or power of sin. And this man could know that he was unclean, 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 and had no part of the fellowship of God's people, but what he didn't have was, how do I get clean? So that I can find a home among the people of God. And so Jesus does for this man, and Jesus does for sinners, what the law cannot do. Jesus, in fact, does for you what the law and nothing else, and no one else, can do. He has the power to make us clean. Not only outwardly, not outwardly, but inwardly. There are those who profess to know God and profess to know Christ who think that the only problem we have is an external problem. If we can just clean up our life, don't drink, don't smoke, don't hang out in bars, don't use pornography or watch R-rated movies, go to church once in a while and you'll be clean and good to go. And if there's really a God in heaven, our good, clean, outward appearance should get us in the door. How many folks who go to church around the world, here in America, New Jersey, Salem County, OPC, or elsewhere, go to church concerned about the outside of the cup, but inside, as Jesus would say to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, inside's full of of greed, says Jesus, and self-indulgence. You might come to church, but your heart is full of self. You don't love the Lord. You're just here or there. And it's all external to you. And people come to church that way. Friends, the Bible says to us, you need to be clean. You need to come to Jesus because he's the only one who can take what's unclean and make it clean whether physically here in the Gospels or spiritually in every one of our hearts. You need to see just how, uh, how filthy as this leper you and I really are and call out to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And then hear from the lips of the wonderfully merciful King Jesus, I will. I will. Be clean. Wrote one. The leper's need and faith found an immediate response in the Savior's eagerness to help. Lord, I need help. Be clean. Lord, you're the only one who can make me clean and transform me. I will be clean. And this readiness was one in which his power and his love embraced each other. Isn't that great? Where his power and his love embraced each other. I will be clean. He's got the desire and the power to transform. Never doubt, friends, the will and desire of Jesus to save. You know, as as sinners, we're always tempted, I think, in one of two directions. Either one, we deny that we're sinners and in need of help. And we go to church and say, I don't really need Jesus the way you're talking about, Pastor. I'm not so bad. That's one problem. We deny that we are actually sinners desperately in need of help. The other problem is we believe we're such great sinners 
that there is no help. You know, that's the other problem that we come to church and we think, well, we're, we're such a great sinner. How could God possibly, uh, how could he ever be willing to, to receive me? But we need never doubt the will and desire of Jesus to save. And of course, friends, this is what the cross is all about. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Never doubt the will and desire of Jesus to save. He became obedient even to the point of death. And then when at the end, uh, as, 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 he, as he rises again, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, as he looks over the city, the city that kills the prophets, stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you would not. Have you heard in your own heart that I will of Jesus? Well, first of all, have you said, if you will make me clean? I know you can do it. Will you? Well, have you in your own hearts heard from Jesus? I will. I will. Perhaps you know that he's glorious. Perhaps you know he's powerful. Perhaps you know he created the world with a word in the space of six days. Perhaps you know that he has saved many. Perhaps you know that he's obviously loved your parents or other people at church. Perhaps you know that he's been willing to save others, but you're not sure, is he willing to save you? Hear these words of John. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. You might say, well, my sin is too big. I'm too unclean. Or I'm too, yeah, I'm too unclean. I'm too filthy. I'm too dirty. Are you part of the whoever? Yes, you are. You might say, but I've sinned so long, so many times. Are you part of the whoever? Yes, you are. You might say, but I'm so weak and I'm so guilty and I'm so ashamed and I'm so miserable and I'm so dirty and I'm so unlovable and I'm uh, so unclean. How could Jesus ever? Are you part of the whoever? Yes. And Jesus says, I will. I will. I will. Be clean. Be clean. Be clean. I will touch you. I will embrace you. I will draw you to myself. You can come to me. Come and find rest. And cleansing for your soul. Eternal life. So the portrait of a needy man. It's our self-portrait. The wonder of a merciful king. He's willing. He does make us clean. Finally, this will be shorter. But we can't leave it out. Finally, there's kind of a surprising response. To the works of Jesus. I don't know if you caught it. It's right at the end. And Jesus, verse... 43, sternly charged him, sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. Offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every, every quarter. So here's the thing. This man is now clean. And Jesus warns him to not spread the news about what's just happened, but instead go to the priest, follow the law commanded in Leviticus 14. Keep the law of God. 
That is, if the leprous disease is healed, the priest will examine him, take two birds for a sacrifice, pronounce him clean, have him take a bath, wash his clothes, and then he may come back into the camp and be welcomed again into the community. You do that, says Jesus. It'd be a witness to the priest, be a witness to the religious leaders, religious to all the people, that this man was in fact wholly cleansed by the power and authority and word and touch of Jesus. And all the religious leaders would know it. Uh, but why not tell anyone else about what has happened? Because as verse 45 hints at, that would hinder Jesus' mission of moving no, no, openly into other towns. Don't do that. There's a reason we don't publish the, uh, the mission work of the OPC in China on social media. The Lord is working and doing wonderful things in China, but we don't give out names and street addresses and phone numbers of those who are saved. Jesus was not looking for popularity in crowds. He was on a mission, had more work to do. Jesus knew that people would be tempted to follow him and crowd around him only for his miracles, only for physical and material blessing, rather than submitting to him as Savior and the King who reigns over life. So Jesus, the Bible says, sternly charged him, sent him away at once. This is serious. Obey the law of Moses. Go to the priest. See that you say nothing to anyone. Now, this is really amazing. Take a moment here, okay? So here you've got an unclean man, full of leprosy. You've got no friends in the world. You're isolated, you're alone, you're untouchable, avoided, helpless. You come to Jesus. Jesus is filled with compassion for you. Jesus, unlike others, is willing to touch you. Jesus, unlike the law or your own moral code and life plan, is able to cleanse you and transform you from the inside out. And Jesus, unbelievably, unexpectedly, and oh so mercifully, stretches out his hand, touches you, and heals you. Glory to God. All praise to him. Jesus, Savior, Lord. He's got all power and authority. He's full of pity and compassion. He saves me. Now what? Well, here is my first... Here's my first instruction. From Jesus. Do this and don't do that. And so, of course, as one who's experienced the merciful touch of Jesus, I'm all ears <laughs> to the word of my Savior, Lord, and King, and I carry out his pleasure with immediate, complete, and joyful obedience. No, I don't. Are you ready for it? But, verse 45, but, First word from Jesus of instruction. And verse 45 starts with, but not good. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. And this had consequences for the mission of Jesus. Oh, here's an important clue for us. When Jesus gives instruction, a command, a directive, a charge, like go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, and the next sentence starts with a but, uh-oh, bad things are going on could be translated this way, but he, going out, began to proclaim, preach, publish, announce, herald, many things, and to spread uh, about the matter. Spread the word. Or he uh, actually says he, he blazed abroad. <laughs> Jesus said nothing, nothing to anyone. And this man says many things to everyone. Did you catch this here? In other words, fresh, fresh from his cleansing at the hands of Jesus, he proceeds to disobey the Lord 
in a way, as blatant a way as possible. Now, he probably said nice things about Jesus. But the point is, the Lord is pleased with obedience and not sacrifice. And the Lord says, do this. And this man, freshly cleansed, does that. Jesus says, goes right, he goes left. Jesus says, hold your tongue, he starts flapping. Jesus says, go to the priest. We don't ever hear that he did. The things he should do, he doesn't do. The things he shouldn't do, he does. Right at the beginning of his cleansing. There's something very strange here. There's a warning here, I think, for us. That in the midst of the glory and wonder and power and mercy of Jesus to make us clean inside and out. That's what's happened here. But the response of this leper, now cleansed man, is unbelievably disobedience to his Lord and Savior who cleansed him. How could this be? Two possibilities. First possibility is this, that this man, though he was a recipient of outward cleansing by the Lord, did not truly have faith in Christ. It could be that he had come... How could it be? It could be that he had come this close to Jesus, even having Jesus' hand on him, but not truly believe in Jesus, but only one of the gifts that Jesus could give. Oh, there's a warning there. To come so close to Jesus, but not truly believe in Him. Imagine a life growing up in the church, surrounded by gospel blessings. Oh, that's to be so close to Jesus. Only to walk away. Could be that. But it's also possible that his response, perhaps, is simply like that of those who think that they can come to Jesus as their Savior, but then refuse to submit to Jesus as their Lord. Thank you for cleansing, Jesus. I know you've given me your word to obey, but... (laughs) Thank you for the cleansing. Jesus says this, but... There may be faith in Jesus, but they're living under the delusion that you can have half a Jesus rather than a whole Jesus. Friends, there's no such person as Jesus, the Savior only. He is Savior and Lord. He cleanses from guilt and the punishment of sin, and He cleanses from the power and dominion of sin, and we're saved to serve. Grace leads to gratitude, and when we're cleansed, we follow the Word of Jesus. This man's response might remind you of another time in the life of Jesus when ten lepers would call out to him for cleansing. And Jesus said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, the Bible says they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, says Jesus, he was a Samaritan. He was actually the one who came back to wait on the word of Jesus. Hadn't grown up with all those blessings. He was an outsider. But when he knew that Jesus had power to cleanse him, he was found praising him and waiting on his word. And Jesus said simply, Where are the rest? Right? 
ten lepers. And as they go, they're cleansed by the power of Jesus. One returns, and friends, Jesus says, where is the rest? If you have known the saving power, the healing touch of Jesus, you praise Him, you thank Him, you want to serve Him. You are at His beck and call. And you come to give Him thanks. That's what the proper response is, isn't it? Falling at His feet giving Him thanks, thankful, grateful, praise-filled, obedience to Jesus. That's the response of faith. And friends, clearly this man, here's the thing, clearly this man, whatever the state of his heart, clearly this man was not worthy of Jesus' mercy. Which makes Jesus' act of mercy all the more merciful. Because we do fall. And we stumble. When we fall, when we stumble, we come back to Jesus again, knowing Because he's full of compassion, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, so even at the end of the story, all this cleansing, this man just disobeys Jesus the first time, which makes Jesus' mercy to him all the more marvelous. I'm reminded of that novel, that great novel, Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Remember that novel? If you read it, saw a movie. Jean Valjean escapes the prison work camp and he comes uh, upon a priest who kindly takes him into his home and he provides for Jean Valjean and he feeds him, this escaped convict. And in the middle of the night, Valjean steals away with all the silverware from the priest. And eventually, Valjean is caught by the police. He's brought back to the priest. uh, And the priest, instead of having him thrown in prison, Jean Valjean tells the police they've made a mistake. He wasn't stealing. The priest uh, wanted him to have the silverware. And he tells Jean Valjean, you forgot the candlesticks too. And then he sends him out. But before he goes, he, he whispers something to him like this. Remember this grace. <laughs> Remember this grace. And friends, when we come to the end of a passage like this, We need to simply say to ourselves, remember this grace. If you will, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I will. Be clean. Follow me. Return. Give me thanks. Listen to my voice. Follow my ways. And when you fail and stumble, return to me and you will find a willing and gracious and merciful and forgiving Savior. This is the Jesus we serve. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing grace to us. Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture that speaks of a man in physical need meeting Jesus. And yet, Lord, we know that that same power and authority and and mercy uh, to heal, Lord, applies to not simply external concerns we have and all have and will have, But Lord, how much more so do we know that this is the Jesus that changes us within, cleanses us within, that he's the only one who can take someone who is unclean because of sin within and make us clean by his word, by his mercy, and by his grace. And so, Lord, we pray today, whoever we are this morning, that we too, like this leper, would find ourselves uh, at the foot of Jesus Not only being able to say, if you will, you can make me clean, but that we could say, I know that you will. Because we've seen Jesus at the cross 
and in his resurrection, in his love for us. So help us, Lord, to find ourselves there today that we might know those words of Jesus, I will be clean. Amen.